everybody! It is Mike, and we are back with a new episode of Working It Out. Uh, by the way, we are doing Working It Out virtually part three. When I say part three, I mean all different material, not in part two and not in part one. And with new slow round participants, the weekend of Thanksgiving. So it's like you got Thanksgiving on the Thursday. Then it's the virtuals are Friday, Saturday. And then we just added a late show Saturday, which is 9.30 Eastern, 6.30 Pacific, because I was getting so many comments in my Instagram and my emails about not that I don't have any West Coast friendly time. So I added that. And then one more on Sunday. So get tickets to that at NowhereComedyClub.com. Those shows are so fun and they sell out. So get tickets fast. And today we have a hilarious, hilarious person. Uh, Bowen Yang. He is a cast member on Saturday Night Live. He is a wildly talented writer, performer, and podcaster. He has a great podcast uh, with Matt Rogers called Las Culturistas. And we had a great chat. I just came away from this just going, I want to be better friends with Bowen Yang. And I think you will too. So enjoy Bowen Yang. You and I met, it's funny, we, I think we did a benefit for Padma Lakshmi together. That's in, what it was. In 2016 at the Bell House. That was a fun night. It was really fun. Yeah, it was cool. And, you know, I was looking at the lineup. Chloe Feynman was on that show, too. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that funny? What a, that's all a blur to me now, honestly. Post-pandemic, I'm like, it all has collapsed into one flat circle. And I don't know what happened when or who was there or, you know, you know I don't know. Right. I don't know if you feel that way. Oh yeah, but I yeah, mean, but no, not, we we yeah. met and that was lovely, and I was I was I was very um I was pretty starstruck to meet you. That was that was very cool. Well, you, I'm nervous talking to you on the podcast because you're one of a handful of people I've had on who I don't know that well. Like we've met a couple of times. Like Hannah Gadsby was like this, where I was like nervous about it. But what makes me less nervous is that uh, <laughs> you have been called by the New York Times a mensch. A in the headline. Oh my God, Maureen Dowd herself called me a mensch. Um, Maureen, Maureen Dowd made the headline that you're the mensch of company, and then oh I, and then I and then I thought it, that that was my experience hanging out with you uh, oh. backstage at that show. I was like, I mean, I don't know Bowen very well, but I just you, my immediate vibe from you was like, I love this guy. This guy's great. Oh, thanks. That means a lot. But you're the same, right? Like you, you are known to be this like you know, like, again, congenial person. And, like, your your humor, like, sort of comes from that place. It's not, like, antagonizing. Oh, thanks. I mean, I'd like to think that's true. I mean, I think it just came from my mom because my mom was just always so nice to strangers. And uh -huh. I was, and when I witnessed that as a child, I think there's an imprinting where you go, like, well, that's, yeah, that's what you should do, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> like it seems so, when you see someone else model that, it seems so logical. Totally, totally. I feel the same about my parents. I feel like they were role models in the sense that they were in these places that, like, 
did not know what to make of them. Like they, they, so they moved to Australia, and that's where my sister and I were born. Yeah, and Australia is sort of notoriously racist towards Asians, and in, in the same sort of right um, xenophobic sense as like people here being like, "Oh, uh, these immigrants are taking our jobs." I mean, that that's kind of the sentiment that's sort of um, directed towards specifically like Asian people who come from just the Pacific Islands or Asia, and there's this like there's that same sort of mentality around that. But I. Like I just saw them like kind of rise above it and not let it stick in ways that like I mean yeah. I truly I have not I have really not seen them like loosen the valve too much on like all of like the race pain that they've experienced. Um, oh, that's interesting. You know, like I haven't seen them blow up. I haven't seen them like really like express their like I don't know. They're like real frustration with like the ways that like they've lived in all these racist places. What were their professions in Australia? Um my father was getting his um degree in like uh explosives engineering, like mining explosives. Oh my gosh. Um and then my mother was a an OBGYN in China, uh couldn't practice after she moved, but was just raising me and my sister. So anyway, there were these wow. two like, you know, and like you really, your, your your dad was a doctor. My dad was a doctor too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so that was sort of like, I don't know, the which ethos is, we, of like we, our household. Yeah. Well, you and I probably have that in common, which is like, the, did you have the when you wanted to be a, a sketch comedian or improviser? Yeah. Where your parents were like, "What do you mean?" Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. One hundred percent. Something so foreign to them, and and then and then like my, my my dad especially, but they're both. They're both like Western culturally averse, where it's like they don't, they won't, they won't watch movies, they won't know what music is like, sort of historically like significant. And so, I, I don't know. I'm talking about this in cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, I've been I've been reading a cognitive therapy book, and it's helping me a lot. Yeah, it's great. I just because I've I was just I had a talk therapist for two years, and she was wonderful, but got to a point where she was just a, just kind of validating me a little too much. And I was like, oh, this isn't what I need. Like, I have, like, a close group of friends for this. So I... <laughs> um, what do you like specifically about cognitive behavioral therapy? Well, so far, it's I just like that it's sort of, like, task-oriented. It's like you, you kind of get little bits of homework. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I like. But then it's also just, I don't know, putting a nice frame on it just to, just to know... Just to, it's putting a nice frame on my behavior and what is causing those behaviors and this behavior that I'm trying to get rid of. And this is like this is very very honest. Um, trying to get rid of the impulse to just like Google myself because I, I oh my do gosh it, yes of course I, I've done it so 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 much lately as yeah. a, as a pacifier almost and it there is some addictive thing that's about it that's like it, it's it's an addic- it's an addiction and so we talked about it last week and we just sort of got to the bottom of it maybe where i feel like for the longest time comedy was this kind of shame zone it was this like sure it was a shameful thing where my parents were like wait what are you talking about you're going to do what no and then yeah college and then working a day job for like 6 years after school, after graduating where i would go in and they'd be like and like I wouldn't bring it up, but someone would be like, "Oh, I saw you on like the lineup for the show. You're a comedian." I go, "Yeah, 
Um, I do it every now and I, I do it like, you know, on weekends <laughs> right. or whatever. And then, <laughs> right, and yeah, right. and then they'll just like raise their eyebrow and be like, okay, cool. Well, good luck with that. Oh my gosh. So it was just, it's, it was just the, the bulk of my experience with comedy, with performing comedy has been, has lived in shame. And then all of a sudden it flipped and now it's like the biggest like source of like, accomplishment for me all and, 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 and <laughs> yes 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 that's so complex of a feeling yeah yeah so i feel like but i feel like my i, I have not caught up to that place now I, I i'm still living in the shame part of it and i'm not where i'm completely um i'm just i'm just like I'm hanging on every word that other people say. And I'm before oh my I even, gosh. before Bowen, I even, don't do it, please. Well, no, I know, I know. I know, I know we don't know each other that well, <laughs> but, but I'm telling you as your new friend, yeah. don't, don't <laughs> attach. No, that's, that, that's like the goal though, because I, I feel like I have not, my, I, I have, I've never even prioritized like self-assessment when it comes to my comedy. I'm never like, sure. How do I think I did? It's, it's only purely been about, and I feel oh like that's a, I feel like that's a cultural thing with SNL too, which is which is great. Where it's like you know, Lorne thinks that what the audience responds to is sort of like the the sort of most important thing, and and in some ways it is. And I and I get where that's coming from, but I feel like I have to do the work to like beat back the tide of. Well, I have to know what people are saying about what I just did. No, I mean the scrutiny of you folks on SNL is extraordinary. I mean, I, I'm obsessed with SNL. I mean, I made a movie about it, yeah. basically, Don't Think Twice, which is in a, in a universe of like an improv group. And then one of the Keegan-Michael Key character gets cast on, I, I think our fake name for it was Weekend Live. Weekend Live. Uh, which is a combination of Weekend Update and Saturday Night Live. <laughs> um, and uh, I was, you know, my goal with that was I was trying to come up with a version of Saturday Night Live that would feel like it uh but it would obviously i legally I, I couldn't get sued but you you know what you guys got so right with the movie is the this the moment when keegan's character walks in and he like marvels at all the photos on the wall oh my gosh yes and that is like and it's a lovely like it's a lovely thing about that building and that show oh but, my god yeah but something that fucks with you at every single stage of your time there I think is like from the time you go into audition and screen test from the time yeah. that you leave or even from the time that maybe you like I'll extrapolate even further the time that you like are fortunate enough to return to host as an alum oh my gosh oh I my feel gosh like it's all they're all reminders of how important this place is yeah the ghosts the, the ghosts, ghosts of it oh my god but you it, it it is a real thing that I am still not over where I walk into the building and I sort of have to like straighten up and like hold my breath whenever I walk past like a photo of like Belushi. I'm just like, whoa, this place, this place is crazy. Stepping away from my conversation with Bowen Yang to send a shout out to one of our sponsors, Spindrift Sparkling Water. Uh, I called them to be a sponsor. I don't even think that's how it works. I just drink Spindrift sparkling water so much that I thought, uh, I think I can call them. And then they uh, called me back. And now they're a sponsor of the podcast. And I have my own, uh, I have my own uh, offer code. If you go to drinkspindrift.com, you can get 25% off by typing in offer code BURBIGS25. I actually did it. 
five minutes ago, and it works. Go to drinkspindrift.com, use offer code BURBIGS25 to help support the show, because that's how we keep the show going. And now, back to the show. I was reading about your background of like that your that your folks at one point tried to send you to like gay conversion. Oh yeah, therapy. yeah, they did. They did. They tried and, and succeeded. I, <laughs> and, right. How many did you go for? It was just eight weeks. I got I got pretty lucky. I, I got like. By the way, you saying just eight weeks is <laughs> all. It's basically a horror movie. I know. I know. But it was. It started out. It's it's the way they lull you into cults. I feel it started out feeling like, oh, this is this just feels like talk therapy, right? Where, where like with Nexium, it just feels like, oh, this is just like a self improvement seminar, right? Um, and then they sort of, then they coax you into all this other stuff, like at the midway point. So that that's what that's what that sort of track was. But yeah, but you didn't you didn't come away from it being like I'm not gay, right? Um. In like deep down, I knew that I was still gay, but then this it it like was so weirdly timed where my parents gave me this ultimatum where if I could go to NYU and be with my sister, oh my god, go to the to the gayest undergrad in the country. Um, so this is from Col- from Colorado. You were living yes, in. correct. Yeah, so this is um going from Colorado to NYU. So my options were between NYU and UCLA, but my parents favored NYU because my sister was there. Right, and she could sort of chaperone me, uh, as it were, and that was not a fun position for her to be in either. But anyway, sure. but yeah, I mean, so 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 the 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 condition was that I was able to go to NYU if I did these eight weeks of conversion therapy. Oh my gosh! Um, so so I I came away from it thinking I, I'm I'm still probably gay, but let me just I might as well reinvent myself the way that everybody does when they go to undergrad, if they, sure, you know, if, if they don't, if they go to a place that doesn't have a lot of their high school friends, um, going it to, was, it was your great, it was your great Gatsby. Of <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And then truly gave it like an earnest go I'm- for a year <laughs> where I did, I did feel like I fell in love with a, with a girl. Um, and then you could call you could call that by the way, uh, the ungay Gatsby. The ungay Gatsby, and then the cover is um, <laughs> two eyes and like Warby Parker glasses. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. I like that. And then you were in college, and you were like, "Well, this is who I am," and you know, whatever. Yeah. The second my sister, um, she graduated semester my sophomore year, and the second she left and moved to DC to do this job, um. I came out to to my the first people I came out to was was the people in my improv group. I was like, by the way, guys, um, I'm gay, and they were like, oh, we knew this, yeah, <laughs> right, 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 right. That was, uh, yeah, I had the same thing when my best friend from high school, and then we went to college together. When he came out, it it was sort of like a right, 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 yes, of, yes, yeah. of course. Um, uh, but there's, I mean, but coming out still like necessitates like the whole action and the ceremony of it. So I feel like even if you, even if people have, um, the, the urge to say, yeah, we've known or we knew or, or like, that's not a surprise. I feel like it, it, it shouldn't, it doesn't take away from, I guess the, the meaning or the significance of coming out just in the first place. This is a thing we do called the slow round, and uh, it's just sort of prompts and memories and things like that. But Great. do you have a smell that you remember from your childhood? Um, I want to say um, 
like the smell of our house that we first moved to in Colorado. So we we come from Montreal to Colorado to Denver, and there was just something. There was just something different about the smell that I can't even describe it. It was just like really light and like piney, probably because it was it was, yeah. it was Denver. Um, sure, sure. Yeah, but like that that that, that I like I like um. I associate that with like the smell of America, which which is bizarre. Oh my but, gosh! Um, yeah. Do you have a memory on a loop that like that sort of makes you cringe when you think about it? Ooh, yeah. This is okay. Yes, this is in high school. This is freshman year of high school. I was in a drama class, and they brought in this outside theater group to come in and teach us a workshop, and. There was one game that they taught us, and they were, they, 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 they were like semi-improv workshops. And then there was one game where these people would pass out cards to like four of us. Mm-hmm. And if you had um, a face card, you were high status. If you had a pip card, you were low status. Okay. And I got a pip, but I remember wanting to go on stage and playing high status. I was like, I don't... <laughs> I was like, low status doesn't feel fun to me. I'm going to go on stage and do high and just be like... Oh my gosh, you're going to defy the cards. I'm going to defy the cards. I'm going to do what I want and who cares about this exercise. So then we do this scene. It was fine. I don't remember how it went, but I remember just like having fun with playing like some like aristocrat or something. And then <laughs> and then afterwards, I didn't know that they revealed the cards to everybody in the oh, class. Oh, yes. So then they got to mine and I was like a three of hearts or something. And then they like, they were like, ooh, Bowen didn't like follow the rules. Oh, wow. And I remember being so embarrassed because I felt like it was so transparently like a moment of me like wanting to be a ham and oh not gosh. actually like doing the exercise. I mean, that's a, that's a weirdly specific memory, but it does make me cringe every time. Do you, do you remember a play that you were in in high school? Yeah, I remember, I remember several. Um, we did The Skin of Our Teeth, Thornton Wilder. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. And it was just like, it was just very bizarre. I We had like a, a fine drama department. We, I, I I did improv in high school, but that was through the calculus teacher because he was also the assistant director at this theater downtown, um, this improv theater downtown. And he would like do these like, sh- they, they were like short form shows for like people who like wanted a night out in the city. But Sure, was, like a who's line funny. is it anyway kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I still keep up with him today and he's, he kind of like was the person to like set me on this like path to like actually trying to pursue comedy maybe. And that's so, really interesting. Yeah. So what was the, what was the role that you played in the play? Cause I remember I was in our town and I played Howie Newsom, the milk. Uh huh. I was, um, Oh, that's, that's, that's good. I, I see you. I see you in that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was like, there was like, the, the, so I think skin of our teeth like broke the fourth wall and in, in, in some ways it was like very yeah. innovative at the time. So I think like the producer of the play comes out. Sure, and is like yelling at the actors, and I think I sure. was the pro- I was I was the producer. Yeah, do you remember getting laughs? I do. Even though the script itself is like the script itself is it was was just very dated, probably, and so I feel like I had to be like, I just had to like knowingly like with a wink, sort of say certain words <laughs> in a dumb. way. I had to be like confound sure. it. Like I would have to like do that. <laughs> right. Yeah. But yeah, anyway. I, I I actually remember like uh, uh, so I remember one line from Howie Newsom. 
Something happened down by the separator. Don't know what it is. <gasps> wow. That's all I remember. What a wonderful reading. And then I just go, come on, Bessie. Come on, <laughs> Bessie. Oh. The cow. I'm miming a cow. Come on, Bessie. Howie. Um, see, my dream would have been like to like be in Into the Woods and um, have like a Milky White. Like have a prop cow. Prop cow stage. is great. That must have been fun. It's a phenomenal, it's a phenomenal thing, <laughs> opportunity to have when you're in high school. And Absolutely. then the other one I did was Love's Labor's Lost, which is a Shakespeare yes. play that's rarely performed. And I played, <laughs> I played Costard the Clown, uh-huh. and uh, and it was funny because I, I actually remember, um, I it's kind of similar to your story where you're given the card, yeah. and you don't actually do the thing. Like I somehow like rehearsed it pretty straight, and then. Ooh. I performed it way over the top, like way, like <laughs> like the audience was in front of me, and I was like drunk clown. Wow! Because and then was, someone came was up, that one someone, of your first times performing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was like I think it was the second time I was in a play uh-huh. ever, and I was like, and like like someone came and because I was and it was killing, like it was yeah, kill, like I'm I was sure. getting laughs, and like and then someone came up to me who was like a bully from like my math class, this guy oh. Peter, oh, and no. he was like. He was like this. He was like, Mike, you're hilarious. You know what oh, I mean? Like wow. it was, and it was like a revelation of like, oh, you're really funny. And it was like a bully saying that to me. And I was like, oh, thanks. And he's like, is your character drunk? Oh, <laughs> <gasps> wow. And I mean, I was did like, you feel called out, or was it like where you're like, yeah, he was, and I meant no, to of play course, him that way. of course, yeah, <laughs> no. I mean, he's absolutely drunk. He's a drunk clown. <laughs> Gonna step away from my conversation with Bowen Yang to welcome a new sponsor this week. It, this is a company that I've really admired for a while. Uh, Patreon.com. It's so as a creator, as an artist, a creator of any kind, it can feel like you're making stuff for sort of everyone but yourself. And uh, Patreon is a creator-founded membership platform where people who love what you're doing can directly support it with paid subscriptions. Uh, it's a great model. No advertisers, no algorithms, no mainstream gatekeepers or networks or studios holding your paycheck. Steady, reliable income and the freedom to make what you love. Start creating on your own terms. Sign up today at patreon.com. And now back to the show. Do you have an injury that you had in your life that you felt like would never go away? Um, you're right. I, I've been very lucky. I haven't had too many, like, health scares. I feel like I, to be honest, like, and this is maybe even an ongoing thing, but not to bring it back to the conversion therapy and, like, bring the tone down, but it's like, I feel like that was a thing where, where I was like, I will never get over this. I will never overcome this. And that's not to say that I have fully or completely, but it's like, I kind of would sometimes think, and it's gotten much better, but in the immediate aftermath, I was like, this is something that will fuck me up for the rest of my life and to a debilitating degree. I feel and, like if yeah. you, de- I feel like if you developed a bit or like, a, you know, like a 10 minute version of your story about mm-hmm. your experience at conversion therapy, which I'm sure is, has all kinds of peaks and valleys. Right, right. <laughs> I can only imagine... <laughs> And you performed that for 
kids who are sent to conversion therapy. I mean, like, you could be the anti-conversion therapy <laughs> person. <laughs> like, there's a major opportunity there because think about these kids. Mm-hmm. It's like they have nobody as their role models. Nobody. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because because I, yeah. the only the only they're they're basically told like your role models are the <laughs> <laughs> these people who have been like cured or whatever the hell they would right. call it. And there's right. nobody to be like, well, look at Bowen Yang. He's a cast member on Saturday Night Live. He's hilarious. And he was sent to the thing you were sent to. And he can talk about it and it's funny. And you were fucking wrong about it. Oh, yeah. I mean, because I, yeah, I mean, I feel like the media narrative is always that like the people who come out of it are just shells of themselves and um, have no like hope for like real intimacy or whatever. And so, yeah, I mean, maybe. I just, I, I, I honestly, th- this is the thing. Uh, it's not an injury that I will never overcome. It's not an injury that I will never um, heal from, but it's this thing that I have to like e- get even more distance from to know what is like universally funny about it. Because I feel like there are funny things that only other people who have been in conversion therapy will understand, which is nice. But like, you know, for the sake of expanding the reach of it, like just making it funny and clear to anybody listening to it would be interesting, I think. Who, I like, two two fact questions about like, roughly how many kids were in it and then roughly how many teachers were in it? Um, So I was only doing it so I, I didn't go to a camp, um, which I think it would was also nice. But I just did it through this one guy operating out of his office in Colorado Springs. So we were living mm. in Denver, and it's a two-hour drive each way. So each week, it was me and my dad driving two hours each way wow. to go see this guy. And it was just me and him, and no one else would be in the waiting room. It was just, it was so, it just felt so, like... I don't know, like secretive. It felt like its own weird pocket of the universe where it, yeah. like, like space and time didn't like exist. Yeah. And so, yeah, it was a very like solitudinal thing. And I feel wow. like it would have been very different if I did have multiple like authorities there or um, other kids. Yeah. I feel it like that's a movie. I feel like that's a movie. Maybe, yeah. Like, I feel like that's I, a father. It's a father son story. Like it's very cinematic. It reminds me of Nebraska a little bit. Oh like, yeah. Like the idea of you and your father, like a young version of you and your father, like driving back and forth to this thing, and and just the relationship. I mean, I feel like there's so much there. Yeah. Um. I will. I do want Bruce Stern to play my dad. That would be great. <laughs> I love Nebraska. Oh my god, I love that movie. Oh, it's great. Um. And then the final one is uh. Do you have a unique neighbor that you think of from growing up? <laughs> oh, that I think of before. I th- it's funny because I heard you talking about your your like a current neighbor on your Las Culturistas yeah. podcast recently. But like, do you have a neighbor from childhood or from Montreal or Australia or, or Colorado where you, like you it always you always think of them because they're so unique? Um, I wrote. We wrote this um, Canadian, French-Canadian news show sketch a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Yes. And we named um, we named Kate McKinnon's character Anne-Marie. And we had we lived next to this family, um, the Legers, when we were in Montreal. And the daughter who was close in age to me was Anne-Marie. And we would always hang out and like they just they just had they just had like the coolest house. It was like it was like a small house, but it just had like all of these like 
fun little, um, I don't know. Thing. Like, like they, they just had, it basically, it just came down to cable. They had cable. So that was like, that made yeah. them cool. Cable's huge. Cable's huge. Cable's my huge. Next, my next door neighbor, Leslie Saliba, who, who I still know today, she had cable growing up. It was a huge, it was a, it was a huge deal. Social magnet. Yeah, for sure. Um, but then anyway, but then, so, so that sketch aired and then I heard, I, but then she like reached out to me like, uh, like over DMs and was like, Hey, like, that was so fun. Like, I hope that was like a little Easter egg to me. And I, I was like, yeah, yes, it was, it was, it was me like calling Aww. out to you and just like seeing if you were out there. And so, but that was like a nice reconnecting moment. And she was, I mean, she was fantastic. It was just a nice, that was a, we had a, we had a very nice childhood where we were not, um, thinking about the lack of anything. And so uh, we, we just got, we, we had lovely neighbors in Montreal. So this is the section of the show that's uh, that's the working it out section. And I, I have sort of material in my notebook that's at different stages. I can share some stuff with you. We can kick it around. Uh, if you have stuff, we can kick that around. Yeah. But also no pressure. I don't know how you how you feel about no, it. No, I feel, I feel, I feel great about this. Um, I'm, I, I feel sort of honored to like bat stuff around with you. <laughs> Thanks. The, uh, uh, and same to you, the, the, the I keep in mind, I, I've started, th- you're the first person I'm saying this to, but it's only because when I have like Jacqueline on or, or Pete Holmes on or people who I, I've, I, I've just known for so many years, yeah. I feel like they're comfortable criticizing me and it's awesome. <laughs> uh-huh. And so I, and, but then with, with Hannah Gadsby, for example, like I only knew her a little bit and I felt like she was maybe reticent to be critical. And mm. I would say this is I have no, this stuff is, I'm not married to any of this. Great. And, and, and that applies to you with me as well. Okay, great. So I, so this is something I wrote down that I feel like could be something, which is, uh, <laughs> I've I've done a few outdoor shows. I actually did a recent outdoor show with with Mulaney and Pete Davidson, great, your fellow castmate. Uh, That's right in Connecticut, and there were porta potties, and I hadn't used a porta potty in years, and mm-hmm. I, I was wearing a mask because we're all wearing masks, mm-hmm. and it was in that moment that for the first time I understood the genius of the invention of the porta potty, because as a piece of machinery, <laughs> it is sound. It is a portable potty. Yeah. It is in the execution of the porta potty where I think the inventor would be furious because <laughs> there is simply too much potty. <laughs> he would be like, uh, hello, it's not supposed to be a mountain of potty that reaches your own potty. It was only meant to be like one or two potties. And everyone would be like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. It's We're, we've been doing five, potty. six hundred potties, you know. Wow. <laughs> but That's but the great. reason That's... I know, but but the reason I noticed it is because when I had a mask on, I couldn't smell the potty, and I was like, <laughs> well, "This is great." And the moment I took my mask off, I was like, "The people who invented this should be murdered." And then I thought <laughs> I should start a company that sells masks next to porto potties, <gasps> and the masks could say, "I love to potty," and and then um. <laughs> My brother Joe had a couple tags for this, which I thought were funny. Which is, uh, uh, and porta potty is a is a made up word, like, uh, but it's a compound. You know, porto right. means portable. You know, you can take these things anywhere as long as you have a trailer, a hand cart, a truck, a small forklift, and some gloves. <laughs> so I thought that was funny. And then, uh, and then, I, and then, I, and then I got potty. And then potty refers to the potty itself. Right. Uh, in the case of the porta potty. Uh, the potty is really just a 
a plastic hole that you want to avoid looking into at all costs because it's actually a window into hell. Um, and then, and then actually, Joe Joe wrote this tag too, which I, I think is fun. Which is, uh, I never judge someone ahead of me coming out of the porto potty when I suspect that they haven't washed their hands. I'm just like, good for you for getting out of there. Yeah. <laughs> like you were in a war. And, you know, congrats, you know, that kind of thing. That's, I honestly, and I, I truly mean this, I have no notes. I no feel notes, like no notes. That, that is so rock solid. And I don't know, I think I, the, the only thing I have to add is like, we don't have to do the whole theater around amenities in Porter Pie. Like there doesn't need to be a mirror. Oh my God. There doesn't oh my need God, to be. Oh my God, that's smart. That's smart. Yes. Right, like let's. let's we don't have try to break not- right. E- even even the sink aspect of it, sort of the little mini sink. It's like no, no, no we're not going to use. It's, well, it's, no one's going to. It doesn't use have that. to do actual toilet or bathroom drag. Do you know what I'm saying? Right, right. right. It should just be the hole, and you should for, you should. But it's it's tough too because the design. Like you're saying that like the inventors of the porta potty should have thought of more ways to make you forget that there was potty there. <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's hard, but it's like, what are the other distractions? Besides, there, there can be distractions, but they can't be like bathroom-related distractions, like mirrors and the sinks and stuff. Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? Yes. So like in other, like in yeah. other words, like it, the scaffolding of the porto potty uh, leaves something to be desired because it's it's right now it's pretending to be a bathroom, but really, let's be honest, it's not a bathroom. It's not a bathroom. It's not a bathroom, and. You're right. I never thought of the potty to open air ratio of porta potties, where it is two thirds potty. It's oh my god, it's, it's so disgusting. Potty. It's sickening. Oh my god, it's sickening. It was a huge revelation when I <laughs> when I did those shows because I was like, with a mask on, I was like, this is a great thing. What a what an important invention. Stepping away from my conversation with Bowen to send a shout out to Helix Mattress. Here's my Helix Mattress update. First of all, it's so comfortable (laughs) that my daughter calls it, Dad, can I sweep on the Helix? Loves it. Calls it the Helix. My parents-in-law visited. They slept on the Helix. They're getting a Helix. They're using the offer code which means maybe they'll continue to be a sponsor. Uh, You can use the offer code to get up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners if you go to helixsleep.com slash burbigs. And now back to the show. So do you have anything that you're working on right now? I have, um, so this is just, this is just a sketch idea. It's a commercial parody where it's like someone cooking a stew at a kitchen in like a cabin upstate, let's say, if we want to get really specific. Um, And the whole, I feel like the the, the ad copy around it is like, fall fun is finally here and... um, but like the fall fun is finally here and like between like going on like on a hike and doing some other thing, like the most fun you can have this fall is renting a cabin upstate and doing like hero shot, introducing like McCormick 
shrooms or something where it's like the, the, <laughs> the most fun you can have this year is uh, to get a cabin and do shrooms. Um, that's very funny. So it's so so it's like me cooking a stew and like doing like a little shake of ground up psychedelic shrooms into a pot and then the rest of the commercials like and like a, like a trippy 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 thing. Yeah. But I don't know. I feel like beyond like the turn, like I, it's I'm trying to we we're trying to think of like how to like what the moves are. I don't know. Um, right. Like de- like 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 you could almost like have your your main guy like like spinning like at a fish concert kind of thing. Yeah, like dancing. Yeah. yeah. And then yeah. and then like and then I think there has to be children. You know, the children being like, the Dad, children. why are you spinning? You uh-huh, know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like something oh, that's where perfect. something where someone else isn't on shrooms. And so, you yes. know, maybe the neighbors come over kind of thing and that's go like perfect. Like, hey, we're the Clarks from next door. <laughs> you know what I mean? And like all that the all that the shroomed out people are seeing, you see their version, they're like aliens essentially. That's perfect because actually we have a we have this like roughy rough draft and it's only like me and some other person like the host maybe and it's just the two of us doing the shrooms together, but you do need some straight person, straight manny type person to to call out like what's going on. Yeah, like, your, like your the eighty, like the so 80. wide. <laughs> yeah, like the eighty Bryant from next door comes over. Right, it's like what's going on because because we have like um. So right now we have like, uh, let's see, like, um, sorry, I'm just looking at these notes. Oh yeah, of course. This is um, great though. I love this. It's like okay, so right now we have like me like an ad copy sort of tone, like because fall tastes like nutty nutmeg, cinnamon, cinnamon, and shroomy, shroomy, shrooms, shrooms, shroom, shroom. Sorry, am I saying shrooms a lot? Um, and then. It's like, it's the perfect time of year to rent a cabin in the woods, trip off your nips, and murder your ego. Um, oh, my and God. the host runs in, oh, my God, the toilet has a face. And she's, like, gorgeous. Oh, my God. And then, like, there's another moment that's, like, because it's that time of year for, like, okay, so there's this, like, purple jelly bean glowing in my chest. And at first I think it's going to kill me, but then I realize <laughs> it's actually good. And and it's, like, this emissary for the universe. And she tells me that, like, I would be a great singer. So it's, like, stupid. It's, like, trippy. It, it, it has to feel, like... Airy and dumb, but I. But you're right. That's the missing element. They're, like kids is perfect too, because it's like yeah, someone who has no awareness of what's of what this could be, and they're just like, "Daddy's acting weird." Yeah, that's good. Well, I think the flip back and forth from like uh, the sort of colorful, trippy lens version of of being on shrooms and back to the reality of it is mm-hmm. would be so fun. Yeah, but I think to make it the reality even. St- Darker in contrast would be like 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 that. It would need like the kids. I think. Okay, so I might. <laughs> the kids. Could, how about also like the kids being like, <laughs> like Dad, we need dinner. <laughs> that's great. That's great. Um, that's really really funny. We need dinner, Dad. <laughs> like all the necessities of being a parent, like out the window. Totally, but it's like a parent would like at this point like anybody, and I'm not. I'm like if and and if drug use is not everybody's thing, that's fine. But I feel like there's some like because I was trying to think of like fall things I could do this year, and I'm like, there's not like the options aren't that many, and I'm just like, well, the best thing you could like the most maybe illicit wild thing you could do is like trip your balls off and that's really go funny. upstate. Um, well, the other so, one yeah. is like, the other moment could be like, if it, like the daughter, let, let's say they have two kids and it's like, yeah. the daughter pulls you aside and it's like, 
dad, are you on drugs? And you're like, <laughs> yes, but they're natural. <laughs> yeah, but they're not, they're not like, um, they're not the bad kind or the kind that like makes you like see the world differently. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, the other and, thing is like, where do you get the drugs from? Like, like who, like the commercial Yeah, is a commercial for like, I'm trying to think like if you're in like a small like Hudson Valley town or something, it's like where would you get shrooms in real life kind of thing. Right. We have this line as the out that um is McCormick Shrooms available at, okay, I don't know his name, but he's always in a hockey jersey and he hangs out at the farmer's market. And then that's Oh my it. God, that's hilarious. <laughs> Wait, something that's like the that. line? That's the line? That's the line. That's the line that we oh, have Oh, that's right now. really funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love um, that. Um, but some, but, but yeah, anyway, something, I, I, something besides wait, that is fun sold too. By, wait, so, so could you say it again? It's like sold by the guy who's always at the farmer's market, but no one knows his name? Yeah, so it's like it would be like a voiceover. It would be like um like a hero shot on like the actual spice, and it'd be like McCormick Shrooms available at. Okay, I don't know his name, but he's always in a hockey oh jersey god. and he hangs out at the farmers market. Oh my god, that's, and that's so it. funny! Um, and like in my image, and, 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 and maybe it could end with like, I think he rides a bike. <laughs> <laughs> like like ending a commercial with a question mark is I sort think of he funny. Rides a bike, yeah, that's funny. <laughs> I met his girlfriend once. Yeah, <laughs> that's. I love that. Anyway, I feel like that. I one of my favorite things about SNL over the years because I've been a, like you. I've been a fan of it since I was a kid. It's like yeah. commercial parodies never get old for me because if you watch local TV commercials, yeah, they're insane. So funny. I mean, local commercials are just funny. They're absurd. They're absurd, and like there is, and it kind of creates this like identity around the place that you that that you're from. Like I yes. I did a thing where I was just like kind of like I don't know incentivizing people to like donate to this like um Senate race in Colorado and it was like if, if you guys for every like you know for this dollar mark for every dollar mark uh, like that for every time we hit this many dollars I'll sing a local Denver jingle and then there were just so many options to choose from and I was like oh and like this is like this is sort of like our sort of communal memory around growing up in that area especially for people who've moved away from it. It's like, oh yeah, this is something that still connects us culturally totally. in some way. Yeah. I it, love it, no, I think that's culture. so true. That's I mean that's the challenge of SNL is like your your audience is so wide. It's everything. Yeah. Yeah. It's like what connects us anymore, which speaking of which, that's my my next joke is is about the vow, which not everybody <laughs> has seen, but I know you've seen. I've seen it. I think this can play, which is like, even if people haven't seen it, but it's like basically explaining to people, there's this show called The Vow. It's a documentary on H HBO about how there's uh, these people in a cult. And, the, and the, the thing that sticks out to me is how one of the main women, uh, <laughs> who's one of the protagonists or whatever, is like, I wanted to be an actor. And yeah. so I could perform and people would listen to what I would say, you know, and I'd have a platform because, you know, and... And people would listen to what I have to say. And I, I remember thinking, like, that's literally the opposite of acting. Like, you, <laughs> you don't say your own words. Like, you read someone else's words. It's like if you're like, I want to be a postman so I can eat the mail. <laughs> or like, I want to be a mechanic so I can become a car. Oh, my God. Yes. It's yes. ridiculous, right? Like that woman, and I, I, you tweeted this, and I know you're off Twitter right now, but it's like, <laughs> you, they were like, they're coming back for season two of The Vow, and you just tweeted no. I just caps. tweeted no. And then I tweeted earlier that week, I was like, The Vow is a documentary about 
actors who love press, who oh love I know. reading I know. what people are saying. It's, I, so, uh, yeah, uh, but that's that's so funny because you're right. It's like, that's not what the, that's not what acting is. I know. You want influence, that's fine. And like, there are ways to uh. find that anywhere, but um, not anywhere, but like, it's it's like, you're, but like, you might as well be a podcaster, you know, which is great. No, which I is like know. A, a lovely, admirable line of work. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. I mean, the the thing that kills me is when they on the show <laughs> when they keep going back to that guy Frank who has a website called the Frank Report. Oh yeah, that dude, yeah. And it's like <laughs> and they're like we need to tell Frank so he can put it on the frankreport.com or whatever. And you're like, uh, you guys, uh, this isn't a website anyone reads. Like, they talk about it like it's the New York Frank Times. You know, it's like, n- like this is nothing. You're talking, you're, you're telling someone who's like, n- no, no visitors to that site. No visitors. Um, uh, so I got the vow thing, which honestly, I don't know if you feel this way about bits, but like, I feel like that's a funny one for us to goof around about now. But like, I don't think that'll end up in anything eventually because uh, cold, for me in my shows, by the time this sh- next show, which I think is going to yeah. be called the YMCA pool comes out, uh-huh. like no one will remember the vow. You can, I think, I think that the kind of person who says stuff like, I wanted to be an actor because I wanted to have a platform to say to like speak my truth. That person will always exist. No, you're absolutely right. I should say I was watching. You know what I should do is make it evergreen at this point, which is basically like I was watching this documentary series about a cult, and there was yeah. this woman who's like, "I just wanted to be an actor so I could have a blah blah," and that's not what acting is. And that way, you get around the whole the whole thing of like, totally. Oh, did I see it? Did I not see it? Because cult documentaries at this point aren't general enough. And like, yeah, it's almost yeah. a genre. It's a genre, exactly. Oh, that's that's perfect. See, you're already you're 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 like solving this yourself. That that's great. I think that I think that should be good. I mean, the and because I actually have a lot to say about like cults in general. Like I was writing this bit early in the quarantine, which is like, <laughs> which is basically life. I can remember it. Which is like, uh, I want to start a religion uh, called Nobody Knows. <laughs> and and if you Venmo me uh, five dollars, you're a member of the religion. <laughs> and uh, and if you Venmo me fifty dollars, uh, I'll I'll tell you the secret. And the secret is uh, uh, nobody knows. <laughs> and if you Venmo me five hundred dollars, I will uh, you will be flown in a private jet to the top of a volcano uh, where you will be met by an old man who will whisper <laughs> in your ear. Nobody knows. And if you <laughs> Venmo me $5 million, uh, you too can sell these secrets. That's beautiful. That there has like a Vonnegut quality to it. I like oh, that. Thanks. <laughs> thanks. I, I feel like I, I love Vonnegut. Oh, my God. The, uh, the Yeah, Vonnegut's one of those. Between Vonnegut and Sedaris and actually oh, yeah. Mary, Mary Carr, those are three authors who, like, I can just crack open any one of their books, and it kind of transports me somewhere. It's it's just like very readable. I I I'm someone who like doesn't even read dense stuff that well. Like I have trouble yeah. getting, but like Vonnegut stuff, you just like, yeah, you're right. You just you just open it, and it's just immediately inviting. Anyway, that um, I I really appreciate that because I I wasn't gonna bounce that off you that nobody knows, but now now that I uh, I think the I think. 
digging into the belief system of uh, digging in, like one of the things about this show that I'm developing, which it's all about middle age and, mm-hmm. and, and realizing like I'm halfway through my life and like the midlife crisis that like I never thought I would have, I'm having. Mm. And and so one of the parts of it is about like beliefs and how like <laughs> so much of my childhood I, I went to like Catholic school grade one through six and they taught us about Jesus mm-hmm. every day and I'm like 42 years old now and I'm like you know I could have used some more information about math <laughs> that would be practical <laughs> the, uh, that's great that's great that, that, because one of the things but, but, one of the, but I sorry, love that sorry go ahead no no you go you go. I was just going to say, I love that bit because um, it just is like a very simple, clear satire around like the way that these systems are structured where it's like, if you pay me this much, then you get no, to I know this much. It's, it's, the way it's all scaled and relative is, is so bizarre to me. Um, but yeah, that's it's that's funny. Really good. I'm glad I bounced off you because I I don't know if you have this with bits, but like sometimes when I say them to someone, uh, it actually helps me understand it better than how I wrote it on the page. Oh, for sure, 100. percent I mean, like I like it's hard at SNL to like write something on your own. There are people who do it very yeah. well, but I feel like I have the seedling of an of an idea, and it doesn't end up being anything until I tell it to someone else they're like oh yeah or it could be, and it could be this and this and this and they like sort of put on the like modulate other stuff onto it that makes it actually a complete idea that's what I, I actually that's what I'm really truly jealous about that that, that all, it's all built of in. my friends who worked at SNL is like you have that thing where you have an office mate and all that stuff yeah. and and like you 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 all collaborate all the time like it's just I don't know that seems really fun it's we're we're lucky to have it. Like I, I feel like stand up is like objectively probably the hardest comedy discipline where you are just kind of batting batting things around in your own head until you get in front of an audience. And even now that's like hard to come by. So yeah. Do you have anything else that you wanna bounce off me? Um, this is something for maybe but by the time this comes out, we'll know whether or not this works. But, <laughs> it made um, it or not, yeah. But this is because I I think this is something that I was thinking about for Mulaney hosting, um, where it's like we play a couple who is hosting a dinner party, and this is so dumb. Um, but the, the just the the game of it is that he and I um, have wet mouths, and we constantly have to swallow mid sentence. So we'll be like, okay, so let's just um, we're just gonna tell you a little bit about it's like that kind of thing. <laughs> It's. I don't know. I don't That's know where it goes. So funny. It's. But it can't. It, it's gotta like. How be do like, you? Always, yeah. How do you convey it as an idea? It's such a funny uh, verbally expressed idea. Totally. So as I was talking about it with um with this with this with my friend Sudi Green who who who's a writing supervisor and um she was like it has to be, um like first like first you like you you the turn you 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 show like the the tick happening and you're like great okay so these two people do this thing they're the, they're the kinds of people who swallow mid sentence mm-hmm. but it, it has to be written in such a way that um what gets said after each swallow is some other micro reveal where it's like and this is a bad example but it has to be like so um you know my mother went to her orgy it's like that kind of thing where it's like the thing that comes after the swallowing has to be like a little shocking or something or unexpected so i don't know this this is this is all still very um amorphous and we haven't figured out what to do with it yet 
I think that's really funny. Like, where did the idea come from? I was watching, okay, so there's this, um, this sounds very silly, but she's this journalist. She used to be um, the White House correspondent at CNN for um, Obama's second term. Her name is Jessica Yellen. She's wonderful. But now she Mm -hmm. does news on Instagram. Um, And she, you know, especially in the beginning of the pandemic, she was releasing videos every single day, like very informative, clear videos um, about what was happening and about like the research that was coming in. And she, but I noticed that she would always have to like reset and like swallow in that way. And I thought (laughs) that was really funny. Yeah. I feel like there are people who do that, and we all sort of do that on our own, uh, just unaware, maybe. But as you're as you're doing it, I'm doing it myself to see what it, <laughs> to sort of see what it feels like. It's it's it just feels so funny. I don't know. It, it's I feel like comedy to me, like uh, the way I boil it down, is it's an error in stimulus, and so anytime like something like doesn't like hit your ear the right way, it's just funny. It's just like it doesn't sound right. And so that's why it's, that's why it makes you laugh. I wonder if you could do it as a pre-tape where, you call them pre-tapes? I forget what you call them. Yeah, pre-tapes. That's that's the insider term. (laughs) I wonder if you do it as a pre-tape where you do it almost like a being John Malkovich where it's in your head, it's in your head. (laughs) Where it's, where, where you're like, I hope they don't notice that I yeah, swallow oh, before good. I speak, you know. And then you see the scene from the other perspective, and it's like, and 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 people are like, you know, the people who are there are like, go ahead, you know uh-huh. what I mean? It's like, oh, they fucking no, they 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 knew, they know, they know, they know, they know. Oh, that's really good, and that's like that. There's like a nice like artful sort of overtone to that whole thing. I think it's really, I think it could be really funny because it's like, that's such a great, I don't know. Like, I feel like, you know, we talk about craft a lot on the, on the, on the show and, and uh, uh, on this podcast. And like, I feel like so much of things are, are the seed of like picking out a thing. Yeah. And then being like, how can I, you know, that's an original observation like i've mm-hmm. never heard anyone say that observation about the really but no but the moment you're saying it i'm like oh i totally know what you mean that's <laughs> so specific and i know exactly who does it and all everything uh-huh and then i know and i know what it feels like and and so then it's like and then i feel like the next thing the next hurdle is always like how do i convey this to others and yes. then what is you were saying the word game because that's that's what people use in improv speak which is what's the if people don't know uh, sort of improv training, it's like, what's the game of the scene? Mm -hmm. So I feel like the, like when I, I remember taking a workshop once with Ian Roberts from UCB theater and he described Uh, it this way is like the movie liar, liar has the simplest game. Like with Jim Carrey has the simplest game of all time, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is, uh, he has to lie, I think, right. or he has to tell the truth. I forget which one it is. <laughs> yeah, he he lies all the time, and so he uh, so then the like the act two is like he has to tell the truth. That's right. That's right. And so then the game of the scene, usually the way to accentuate the game is to have some turn where you see the opposite of itself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it might be funny if like you like choked on like a baby carrot. Uh-huh. And <laughs> and then everyone's like, no, 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 that's just how he speaks. <laughs> That's good. That's really You know what good. I mean? Like something where, like, what would be the worst case scenario of people not understanding the tick? Right. Is it you're literally choking? This is normal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, no. He's like, this is what, this is what Alan is like, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. But the, the Malkovich and like the, um, 
and like just having and and just the carrot thing are are perfect. Let me see if I have anything else quick. This is a, this is a good quick one. Maybe we'll close. Okay, this. great. Um, great. I think there should be a sugar cereal called Feelings, so there's no <laughs> stigma when you eat them. <laughs> also, maybe a, a breakfast cereal called Lunch, and it's just tiny turkey sandwiches floating in milk. <laughs> So that we we wrap up the show with a thing called working it out for a cause, and I know that you uh, benefit a lot of causes. That's actually how you and I met uh, in the first place in, at That's the right. Bell House, doing that benefit for uh, Padma Lakshmi. And um, is there someone? Is there a nonprofit that you'd like to shine a light on that I will contribute to, and I'll include in the show notes? Um, yeah, I thought long and hard about this. I feel like you do such a good job of. I don't know, just like putting uh, a light on on whatever the guest brings. But I feel like I, I'm just going to throw it to Clinton Hill Fort Green Mutual Aid. Um, okay. There, I feel like um, anyone's local mutual aid group or network, I think, is a great place. Just to when you when you when you're when you're a little overwhelmed by all the organizations that are out there, obviously they're all worth um, donating to. But I feel like. You might as well start at like the local level and just make sure your neighbors are supported and and doing okay. So that's what I'm going to do with mine. That seems great. I'm looking at their Instagram right now, and they're a coalition of neighbors organizing to support each other through COVID-19. That's a really phenomenal thing. I completely agree about local nonprofits. Is is there's there's something about contributing? to a place where you know where the money's going and how it's going to be effectively used. Exactly, because you're, you know, you're living sort of among, you're living in sort of that sort of domain. Awesome, Bowen. Um, I really appreciate you coming on Working It Out today. This has been such a joy. I feel like, I I feel like we we came a long way. We did. We did go a long way. We, we've come <laughs> a long way. I feel like I've gotten to know you very intimately, even though I feel yes. like I've I've come to know you through your work. But this this was really lovely. I hope we can uh, be better friends and, and maybe we can do uh, some benefit shows together in, in New York when we're back doing shows again. I love that. I would love that. That sounds wonderful. Working it out because it's not done. Working it out because there's no Wow. So that's going to do it for another episode of Working It Out. How about that Bowen Yang? You can see him on Saturday Night Live or on his podcast, Las Culturistas. Our producers of Working It Out are myself, along with Peter Salamone and Joseph Verbiglia, consulting producer Seth Barish, sound mix by Kate Belinsky, with help from Joel Robbie, assistant editor Mabel Lewis, special thanks to my consigliere Mike Berkowitz, as well as Marissa Hurwitz. Special thanks always to Jack Antonoff and Bleachers uh, for his music. As always, a very special thanks to my wife, J-Hope Stein. Our new book, the new one, is at your local bookstore curbside or on our Burbigs.com merch site. You can get a signed copy for the holidays coming up. As always, a special thanks to my daughter, Una, who created my beautiful radio fort of pillows. Thanks most of all to you who are listening to this podcast that is such a labor of love to to all of us who are putting it together. Tell your friends. Tell even your enemies. We're right here working it out. See you next time, everybody. Everybody.